0: when you lose it hurts it's hard but it's also why winning is so great in this league because it's not easy to do and when you get them man it's special i'm just
1: man i'm proud of those guys i'm proud of them this is where wisconsin gathers to talk sports packers brewers badgers bucks the wisco sports show is on the air here's your host Grant bills
0: warn you, I tweeted this out earlier today at Wisco Grant, so if you follow me, you might have seen it. Fair warning here to start the show. This morning, starting at 9 a.m., I got a haircut, I got an oil change, and I went to my bank twice, because when I showed up the first time, I didn't have the information that I needed, and I'm like, hey, I gotta run home, I'll stop back, so I really, I went to the bank twice. So, oil change, haircut, bank. i Distracted man today. I've had a lot of adult-like responsibilities, so I've had less time to put into the old show, the old, the old, the old ball and chain tonight. So tonight's show is going to be great, but there might be some spaces, some gaps. What do I always say? This is a team effort, right? It takes a village. This is this is you and me working together every night to have some great conversation, sports talk for two hours. You might need to do some lifting tonight. All right, there I said it. I I admit. All right, now I got a couple great topics that I love. Tonight's lead, my one big thing, I love it. I got something I want to say about Aaron Jones. I love it. A little bit on the Badgers basketball team. I love it. But there there are gaps here. So if you're somebody who's called before or maybe you've never called and you're thinking, I'm waiting for my moment. Well, today could be it. All right, because there's a lot of space. I had to do a lot of stupid responsibilities this morning. Haircut. I had to call and make the appointment last week. That's the worst part. You gotta call and then put it on your calendar. That's that's like a chore in and of itself. You guys don't understand. People my age who grew up with cell phones for a good portion of our lives, we're, we're just we're set up differently. People my age are such idiots. They'll pay 60 bucks to have food delivered to their porch that costs 20 bucks just so they don't have to talk to anyone or go anywhere. This is what I'm up against. This is the climate in which I live. This isn't fair. Now, I grew up a big portion of my life without cell phones, too. I hate it when people put me in that box. Back in my day, you had to use the landline. Yeah, I remember using the landline. I had everybody's number memorized. So that's, that's not the climate we live in anymore. I, very stressful day doing real-world things. So, step up. Do your part tonight. Uh, there's some cracks that need to be filled in in the show. We'll be fine. This is a blast. I mean, a couple of these topics I'm really looking forward to. This is the Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. Hope you've had... A good day. My day was fine. I don't mean to complain and whine. I just really hate doing things. My ideal day. You want to know my ideal day? I wake up. I turn on my favorite morning shows. This morning, I listen to Ebo a little bit. Um, sometimes I'll listen to our buddy Bart Winkler in the morning. listen to Dave here in Lacrosse. Dan in Oakland. I'll make the rounds. I'll see what everyone's talking about. Take it in. I make a cup of coffee. I get on my laptop. I check the stories of the day. I do some reading. I do some outlining for the show. By this point, it's about 9 o'clock. Maybe I get a run in. Maybe get a workout in. I come home. I make breakfast. Eggs. Some protein. Some carbs. Glass of orange juice. All right, now back on the laptop. A little bit more work. Now the show is really starting to come together. Now at this point, take a shower. Get dressed. Head to work. Sit down. Work on the show more. You know what's not in that rundown of my day? There's no running errands. There's no gr- there's no grocery shopping. There's no go to the chiropractor. I don't like doing things. I need to do a lot of things this morning. So the show, it's going to suffer. We'll make, it we'll make it through. I'm being dramatic. Hey, text me or call me, 608-796-2558. Tweet me, at Grant as well. It's a good way to be a part of the show. Uh, we have a rule on the show. No calls for the first 20 minutes. It's not because I'm anti-caller. I love calls. I love talking to you guys. But I kind of want to get the the groundwork laid. I want to get the foundation of the show kind of set up. And then I would be more than happy to talk to you. I'll take calls here in about 15 minutes. Text me anytime. Tweet me anytime. But calls... Going to wait until about 420, and then I'll start taking calls. I promise. Uh, let's let's start this. I've complained enough. We've farted around a lot the last couple of days. Talked about the Vikings and the Bears and the Cardinals and the Pats yesterday. We did a thing on Belichick, and we heard the boys in New England who do sports talk radio that said this about Bill Belichick. That's a sign of a coach that's losing his fastball. Yep. Well, they gave up on him last year, weirdly, because Boston fans are the worst. Um, but he seemed to be back, and we talked about that after Monday Night Football. Pat's held on to beat the, the Bills, and they're the number one seed. We talked about that. But I think it's time we get down to brass tacks, back to our roots, and we talk Green Bay Packers. But I don't want to talk about Rodgers' toe, and I don't really want to talk about injuries, and I don't really want to play a Matt LaFleur presser. Although I think we're going to play a little bit of Aaron Rodgers' presser later on in the show. I thirst for something deeper, for something better. Okay? And yesterday, I really enjoyed our conversation around Belichick and Mac Jones. Not so much the part of the conversation that was complaining about, you know, these knuckleheads. That's a sign of a coach that's losing his fastball. Not that. Although it's fun to complain, and it's fun to make fun of people for takes that aged poorly or whatever. But no, I I want to talk more about the football side of this. And I have another angle that I want to share with you. I was listening to Ryan Rossillo's podcast last night, and he had Kevin Clark on, who I just adore. Kevin's fun, he's upbeat, and somehow he knows everything about everything. And they were talking about the Pats and Mac Jones... And Kevin Clark, who writes for The Ringer, he's at The Washington Post. Follow him on Twitter. His work is just really, really good. He referenced an article by Doug Kide. I was like, who is this guy? And I look him up. Okay, well, he works for Pro Football Focus. And I never heard of him. And I read a good amount of PFF. Like, we had Eric on last week, Eric Eager. Um, We've had Sam Monson on. I was talking about Mike Renner last night because I was watching The Bachelor. And I was like, yeah, I wonder what Mike Renner is. So I was reading his stuff because Mike was on The Bachelor once upon a time. So I found this article by Doug Kide. And it talked about Mac Jones and the Patriots offense and how Mac Jones and the receivers were getting along really well. And I found a few interesting statistics that I want to share with you. And I want to apply to our Packers and our quarterback, Aaron Rodgers. Now, we all know, because we have eyes, that Mac Jones is not some freak athlete. Right? If you see the picture of him after the national championship game, he's got a little bit, of, not a gut, but he's not shredded. He's not ripped. He's He's big boned. He's full body. He's just a normal looking dude, really. And he doesn't have a huge, big, strong rocket arm like Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes or Jamarcus Russell, right? A strong arm isn't everything. Some of the best quarterbacks like Favre can be really accurate, but also have the big arm. Brett Favre's decision-making, a little suspect, but that's not what we're talking about. Mac Jones doesn't have this huge, big, strong rocket arm, but he's accurate. And he's accurate in a way that's really interesting to me. Like, his accuracy manifests in interesting ways. And this is what I was reading about in an article by Doug Kai that I heard about from Kevin Clark when he was on Ryan Russilla's podcast, right? This is how this all came together this morning. It was actually while I was getting my old changed. I was on my laptop and I was reading some of these things. I was waiting for my car to be done. Get a load of some of these statistics. Patriots wide receivers have a league low drop rate of 3.3%. That's New England's lowest ever, and it's the third lowest percentage since Pro Football Focus has been tracking this data. So for as long as they've been following drops and counting drops, there have only been two other teams in that era that have had a lower drop rate than the current New England Patriots, and the Patriots even with Brady, and even in years where they had really good wide receivers. They've never had a drop rate as low as they do now, 3.3%. Interesting. Throwing to Jacoby Myers and Kendrick Bourne and Nelson Aguilar and Nikhil Harry, who most people think is a bust, and I think they're tweaking and finding ways to use him, but it's not like they have the Vikings wide receivers or the Buccaneers wide receivers or the 2011 Packers when they had Jones and Nelson and Jennings and Driver and Finley and Cobb. Right? Their wide receivers are fine, and yet they're catching everything. Mac Jones is second in the entire NFL. The rookie, Mac Jones, the guy who threw three passes and looks like an average Joe. Second in the NFL in drop rate behind Kyler Murray. And New England wide receivers have caught the highest percentage of catchable passes at 93.8%. So basically, we all knew Mac Jones is accurate, but it's manifesting in an interesting way. These statistics explain how Mac Jones has touch, and he makes it easy on his wide receivers to make the play. And he takes the easy throws because the easy throws are the ones where you can use touch and you can put it right in their hands, right? He's doing the simple things well, and it's manifesting in really efficient football where plays that are there to be made, they're made, right? Now, this is not the Patriots sports show. I want to bring this to the Packers. I want to expand this conversation past just drop rate and catchable balls and think about this on a macro level, okay? I want to think about how many plays throughout the course of a game offensively that are successful, Right where you're sitting at home and there's a play and you're like, all right, good, 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 that's good, on to the next, that's, a hey, good, doesn't mean it's a touchdown, doesn't mean it's a huge play, but think of how many plays throughout a game on offense are successful, right, meaning there's some sort of positive result, because I correlate that with this. When the Patriots are catching catchable passes at a rate of 93.8%, that means their offense is easy to execute means it's setting up easy throws, makeable throws for the quarterback, and it's putting wide receivers in positions to make the play, right? Successful, right? Think of how many plays throughout the game are successful, where you're sitting at home and thinking, okay. Or the inverse. Think about the plays where you're sitting there and you go, ah, and you lean back, right? And you just wave at the TV. It's like, what the hell was that? What what, what was that? What, what kind of play call was that? Right, and that's the inverse of this. Successful plays versus plays that never really had a chance. How many times throughout the game Does Aaron Rodgers and this Packers offense turn a first and 10 into a second and four, right? Because the deep shot wasn't there. All right, we'll take six yards and on to the next play. That's a positive result. That's what I'm talking about, okay? Or checking it down for four yards on third and two instead of going for the shot play touchdown, right? That's a positive result. That's a successful play. Mac Jones gives his offense a chance at a positive result nearly every play. There's no wasted plays. And Monday's game, again, is not the game from which to draw these big sweeping conclusions because it was so weird. The wind and Mac Jones only threw three times, right? But Mac Jones, big picture, gives his offense a chance. His wide receivers, his running backs, his offensive line gives everyone around him a chance to have a positive result on nearly every play. There's no wasted plays. To compare this to Green Bay and the Packers, when Rodgers bottomed out statistically in 2018... His throwaway rate was nuts. And I think I've referenced this from time to time the last couple of years because it's an important number and it's important measuring stick to keep in your mind. When Aaron Rodgers was bad relative to him, when he was an average quarterback, and everyone thought that he might be on the decline, and then the Packers draft a quarterback because they think he's still on the decline, right? When he was at his worst, which I say in air quotes because his worst was fine, better than some quarterbacks in the league. When he was at his worst in 2018, He threw away 59 passes in total, most in the league. Think of how many wasted plays that is. Plays that never had a chance. Plays that didn't have a positive result. Think of how many second and tens and third and tens. That makes life hard. That makes offense hard. When you're always wasting plays and you're like, on to the next, on to the next, on to the next. Well, no, sometimes it's important to pick up four or five yards on first down and have a positive result. Or on third and two, Even though it's not the flashy thing to do, sometimes it's important to drop it down four yards and move the chains instead of taking the shot for the end zone on third and two. Successful plays, efficient offense where you're doing the little things right and giving your wide receivers, running backs, offensive line, quarterback, putting everyone in a position to have a positive result on every possible play. Something the Patriots are excelling at, and it might not be flashy, and it might not be good enough to win a Super Bowl because maybe they're not as talented as they need to be, and maybe Mac Jones isn't ready, but the Packers are different. The Packers have the talent. They have the quarterback with the experience and a head coach that's now has been to the NFC Championship game twice, and the defense is as good as it's been, I think, since 2014 or 2015. The offense fell off in 2015, but the defense stayed good for another year after they blew it in that NFC title game to Seattle, Right? Think of how many second and tens and third and tens and long down and distances the Packers found themselves in in 2018 when Rodgers is throwing the ball away a ton. Look, you want to know why so many teams are going for it on fourth down? Don't make this about the analytics. Well, the analytics say to. No, forget the analytics. We talked about this the other day. Don't obsess and try to make everything analytics. Just think about this common sense. Offensive coaches started to realize something. It's really hard for defenses to prevent an offense from picking up 10 yards over the course of four plays, right? Offensive coaches realized, oh, damn, we only have to go 10 yards? It's already hard enough to play defense in this league at this moment with the way that the rules are set up and the way that everything's designed. It's all offense. It's hard enough to get off the field on three plays. Well, what if we start taking advantage of the fourth? Defenses are really up against it. It's really hard for defenses over the course of four plays to get off the field. Now, if you mix an incomplete pass in there or a throwaway, Or a run that isn't successful and only picks up one or or, or zero yards. Well, now it's third and ten, okay? And now the defense only needs to defend for one play. Now it's a lot easier to get off the field. Do you get what I'm saying? When you're picking up even small amounts on first and second down, even if it's only four yards, only five yards, sure, it's not flashy, it's not a shot play, but if your goal is to come away with a successful play every play, You make it so much harder on defenses to get off the field. And that's why the Patriots, they're not glamorous, but it works. And Tom Brady, it's not always glamorous, but it works. The Packers need to minimize wasted plays. Take away throwaways. Take away throws that never had a chance. Maximize every opportunity with the ball. Remember how the Packers played in Arizona? Remember how that game felt? I remember really early on. I was at the barrel in on the south side of lacrosse. We were having burgers. I'll never forget this. And and it's on the TV. And Rodgers zipped one to Amari Rodgers early on. And it went right off his chest pad and it fell. He dropped it. And when that happened, I went, oh, my God. Because every play in that game mattered so much. The Packers were injured. They were on a short week. They were up against it. And even one play where they didn't pick up any yards, oh, it's the end of the world. Right? That's how valuable every play and every yard was in that game. Now, they need to play like that all the time. They need to minimize wasted plays. The Packers really need to be more boring. Boring works. Boring is resilient week to week and matchup to matchup. And if you look at the numbers with the Patriots and how they're playing Mac Jones and how Mac Jones is throwing the ball, no wasted plays. Every play has a chance to be successful. If you can minimize the second and tens, the third and tens, if you can take away the throwaways and the throws that have no chance, it's a lot. Harder for defenses to get you off the field. That's just the way that football is designed. So Aaron Rodgers and what he can do with his deep pass. It's flashy. And the back shoulders. And the drop in the ball in the bucket. It's amazing. But if you want to win multiple playoff games in a row and go to a Super Bowl, you need to be resilient. You need to be able to take a punch. And you need to be able to win in multiple places against multiple teams. Be more boring. Be more boring. Value every yard. Value every play. And it's a lot harder to beat a team that does that it's a lot harder for defenses to get off the field let's take a break send me a text 608-796-2558 tweet me at wisco grant i want to talk about aaron jones coming up next on the wisco sports show this is the wisco sports show with grant bills on the wisconsin sports zone radio network Joe. My name is Grant Bills. Hope you're having a swell, swell day. 608 796 is the talking text line. My lead today, thing think it's been weighing on me. Packers might need to be a little more boring on offense. Right? Cut, cut the fancy stuff out. Cut the down-the-field stuff out. Minimize wasted plays and be a little bit more boring. Because boring works. Doesn't mean you don't throw the ball. No, 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 no. Still throw the ball. Throwing is the more efficient way to run offense in the modern NFL but be less flashy just be easy do what defenses will allow you to do and it's a lot harder for defenses to get you off the field that way Uh, a couple of things here Nate texts in regarding the stat I shared from 2018 when Aaron Rodgers and the Packers offense kind of bottomed out he was his worst version since he came into the league he was really inefficient I said, Aaron Rodgers that season had a total of, how many was it? 59 throwaways. And Nate texts in and makes a really good point. He says, I'd be interested to see what the average number of plays per game was in 2018. Probably less than 59, which means we basically lined up and spiked the ball for an entire game on offense, if that makes sense. Nate, I'm not going to lie. I, off the top of my head, had no point of reference for how many plays were run per game in 2018. I looked up one. And that's all I had time to find. The Packers against the Vikings in a game that they lost 24-17 to and they fell to 4-6-1 on this game. Uh, they ran 51 plays. So you're, you're right. I think 59 plays is about a game worth of plays where they just wasted them. Threw the ball away, never had a chance. It's really hard to run efficient offense that way. So you're right. And thank you for the text, Nate. Mike is in downtown Madison. Mike, what's going on? Welcome. Hey, how are you, man? I'm doing good. I've had an interesting, busy day, but I'm doing good.
1: Good, good to hear it. Yeah, um, I think that stat you said Nate texted that in. That's a that's a really interesting um, take on that. Yeah, um, I, I think I think you're right, though. I think uh, what are the teams? Uh, we talked about it yesterday. What are the teams being successful? Boring, running the football, taking the checkdowns. It's it's it, it breeds success in this cold weather. Um, on, on that note. Uh, Jair Alexander yeah. practice today. Yes, um, he's on. So he's on the 21 day uh, window right now, um, and that's looking good because I think he's he could very well come back for some uh, regular season games, and then maybe be 100 uh, healthy for the playoffs.
0: You just need um, guys like that. They they might not get all three: Bakhtiari, Zedaria Smith, and Jair. But if they could get one or two, like I'm trying to keep my expectations low. If they can get Jair back, that's such a makes such a huge difference.
1: Huge. And so the question I kind of want to pose to you, um, when he does come back, um, where do you, where do you play Stokes? You know, he, he got so much playing time, you know, because of these injuries. Right. Yeah. Um, And I was kind of looking at his, you know, bi-week rookie look at, um, and he's, he's playing outstanding. Um, Seeing 68 targets uh, only allowing 35 catches. um, And he's only committed three, three penalties. Um, so look at, you know, look at that. I mean, where do you where do
0: you place him? What do, do you think? That's a good question, Mike. And I'm going to let you go because we have a couple other texts I want to get to. And, Mike, I appreciate you. Thank you for the call. That's Mike in downtown Madison. Where do you place Stokes? This is, okay. Well, let's just talk through it. Assuming that Jair, let's fast forward a, a month and a half. And we're in January and it's the playoffs. That's not even a month and a half away. Jeez, getting down to it. So let's go to the playoffs, and let's assume Jair is healthy enough to the point where we're where we're not talking about it. Like, he might not be 100%, but he's not hindered, okay? So Jair is going to be your number one corner. Well, what questions do we have then about Stokes, and what questions do we have about King? Let's talk through this, and of course, Rasul Douglas is a part of this too. The concern that I would have with Stokes, and I'm not a football coach, so I'm thinking of this from a fan perspective, from a perspective that someone who watches on TV... And, and, I, and I'm and i not breaking down X's and O's, I'm just thinking more big picture here. Eric Stokes is a rookie. The issues that sometimes plague rookies. Um, adjusting to the ball has been an issue, right? He'll be in the right position, but one of the steps that comes later for a lot of, I think, cornerbacks as they get older is playing the ball. It's one thing to be in the right position. It's one thing to know the ball is coming. It's another to be able to make a play on it. That took Jair a little bit, okay? So that's a concern with Stokes. But do you feel any better in that department about Kevin King? Right? I think any concern that you have with Eric Stokes, you would also have with Kevin King. Now, Kevin King has played in big games before. He's experienced these big moments before. He hasn't necessarily done well in those big moments. How much do you value experience and maybe the floor of a player versus the ceiling and the raw talent? Because Stokes is fast. And I haven't seen Stokes blow a lot of coverages. When Stokes has given up plays, it's been, he's right there in coverage. He just hasn't made a play on the ball. I've seen Kevin King blow coverages. And is Kevin King healthy? That's never a given either. I don't know where Rasul Douglas fits into all of this. Might be a smarter question for a football coach. A guy that knows how to manage a defense. I I will say before we move on, this is the challenge of coaching in the NFL and why Bill Belichick is so great. Because Belichick can look at every game individually and say, okay, what can I do with the personnel that I have to win this game, this week, in this stadium, and in this weather? And it might be very different from what he does the following week or the week after or the week after, right? Football can't be one size fits all, and that's going to be Matt LaFleur's challenge. If he starts to get some of these players back and healthy, now he's got to make decisions who to play when and where, and cornerback is certainly one of those positions. Uh, got another text here from, let see, Ben and McFarland. Says, will Yash Nyman move to right guard when David Bakhtiari is back? That's a good question. I don't know. Again, these are great questions that I would love to ask an offensive line coach, a defensive coordinator. I don't know because Yash, the funny thing about Yash Nyman is he stepped in and played left tackle when they've needed a left tackle, when Bakhtiari wasn't available or when Elton Jenkins couldn't go, and then Jenkins goes out again, so now he comes, and plays in and left tackle. At no point was Yash Nyman put it guard and then, oh shoot, now we got to move him to tackle. They seemingly, for whatever reason, like him at left tackle, but they don't like him as much at other spots. So maybe that plays into the equation. And I'm spitballing, and I can only speak to this so much, Ben, but that's another position they're going to have to look at. If we get healthy, we've curated all this depth, and all of these guys have gotten valuable snaps, but what do we do with those valuable snaps, and what do we do with that experience when we have all of our guys. It's a good question. Josh in Sparta says, I think if Jair Alexander comes back, you play him in the slot or move him around like the Rams do. That's, man, isn't it interesting? Because the Rams have said, well, we want Jalen Ramsey around the ball as much as possible. We want him in a position to make plays and make tackles and force fumbles and maybe blitz the quarterback if need be instead of just putting him on the boundary and saying, we're going to take away your best wide receiver, right? Right. We're just going to blanket him, take him away. You don't get him. And I think the game plan, Josh, could be different. Again, different game plan, different opponent. Let's say the Packers are playing the Washington football team. The Washington football team has Terry McLaurin, who's really, really good. And after Terry McLaurin, there's a big drop off. Maybe in that game, you see Jair match up against McLaurin, try to take him out of the game, and that's just his role for the game. Whereas if they play the Buccaneers, they have Evans, they have Godwin. They have Breit, Antonio Brown, Tyler Johnson, Scottie Miller. I I don't know that taking one of those guys out of the equation really helps you that much. So maybe in that game, they just put Jair in the slot and they say, hey, roam around, mix it up, be around the ball and just try to make plays. I think where Jair Alexander plays is probably one contingent on his health, but also contingent on who they're playing, when they're playing, the depth of that team, the weapons that they have. It's all very matchup dependent. I don't know. But this is probably something the Packers coaches are starting to think about. Like, all right, how are we going to bring him back into the mix? When he's healthy enough to go, how are we going to use him? Et cetera, et cetera. Good questions. Wow. Wow. I said this morning that I was busy and I had less time to play in the show. And look at everybody stepping up. Mike in downtown Madison and Josh and Nate and Ben. Appreciate y'all. Let's take a break. I want to talk about the NFC, some teams that are around the Packers and how I think they match up and maybe how these next five weeks kind of play out. We're really coming up on it towards the end of the season. I thought there was a month and a half left. Listen to me. I'm all turned around. Also talk about the AFC a little bit. Because I think the way that the playoff picture is shaping up in the NFC versus the AFC, it's almost like they're inverses of each other. And I want to talk about that because that's interesting. I like interesting. More of the Wisco Sports Show coming up next.
1: This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills
0: on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. My name is Grant Bills. Twitter, at Wisco Grant. I said to start the show, not to belabor this, but whatever. It's me. Uh, this morning, I got a haircut, got an oil change, went to the bank. Very exhausting. I hate doing things. And I know I sound like I'm whining, but you you guys, you don't get it. Mad Mike texts in. He says, Grant, wait till you get married and have children, and all your complaints will turn into leisure activities. You know what I... It's funny you say that, because when I was getting... My car's oil changed today. I was at the dealership, and they have a nice lobby, and they always have coffee, and I just like sitting in there. And I'll bring my laptop and my headphones, and today I started thinking, like, you know what? you tell me I get to sit here for 45 minutes, and no one gets to talk to me? Sit here in the silence, listen to some quiet music. I found a Grateful Dead album that I was making my way through, prepped the show a little bit, did some reading, drank some coffee, and all it cost me was like 45 bucks i'd spend a hundred to have no one talk to me and to sit on a nice couch and drink free coffee for an hour you kidding me 40 bucks i'm with you mad mike not the end of the world it's more the act of getting out of the house and actually having to go or in the case of getting my hair cut, right picking up the phone and calling hey i'd like to make an appointment and i know it doesn't sound tough but you different generation a lot of you you guys you don't you don't get it okay and yes, Dave and Minota will probably hammer me for this. Oh, your generation saw... It. Well, you know what? My generation was raised with different technologies and affordances, and we're stressed about different things. Okay. Now, calling someone on the phone doesn't stress me out. I'm lazy. I don't like doing it. But keep in mind, that people my age will spend like sixty bucks on a meal that's worth twenty bucks if it's delivered to their house and they don't have to talk to anyone or go anywhere. This very is very very different. All right? But I'm with you. Going to get my oil change today and just sitting in the peace and quiet for 45 minutes and waiting in a nice lobby with free coffee? Oh, you're right, Mad Mike. Was a leisure activity. Thank you for the text. 608-796-2558. Text or call. You can tweet me at Wisco Grant. Follow me on Twitter as well. So, at Sports Talk Radio and TV, a big portion of the content we talk about the games, about who wins and who loses and why. Monday after a Packer game, I come in here. Well, here's what really went down yesterday. Here's what really turned to the corner and got the Packers over the hump. It was the play of this guy and this play and this, moment, you know, whatever. We're breaking down games. And then there's some other topics, the classics, the greatest hits, right? MVP debate, arguing about which team is overrated or underrated. You could do the uh, buy or sell that whole deal, to College football might be the best example of sports talk that's not really centered around games. So I think Georgia should be number one. Well, you're wrong. It should be Michigan, and here's why. And you argue about the politics of college football, and yeah, you might mention the games, but the games aren't the crux of it. So, not every sports talk topic is directly related to games. One debate that I love, and it's one in the NBA, is about the East and the West. And it's been really fun for the last decade, because for a majority of the last 10 years, the West has been much better, much deeper. And then the East has LeBron. So it's like top-heavy LeBron's team, his super team, versus a handful of really good teams in the West. And then for four years, to be fair to both conferences, it became about the Warriors and the Cavs. And then any challenger was just, you know, kind of interesting. The Rockets were one. The Thunder before Katie left were one. But but that was really it. It was just the Warriors and the Cavs. And then there was everybody else. I think we could have a similar conversation East-West centered around the NFL right now. AFC versus NFC. These two conferences are basically inversions of each other. They're backwards. So let's start with the AFC because I want to finish with the Packers, right? The AFC is thick. There's good football teams in the AFC that are going to miss out on the playoffs. I said good, not great. I'm not saying that there's some crime against humanity, some great injustice that the Raiders who are what, six and six, aren't going to make the playoffs. Like, no, I'm not saying they're great teams. Championship teams are going to miss out. But there are solid teams that might miss out. The Bills are seven and five. They go to Tampa Bay next week, and they go to Foxborough in two weeks. They could easily be eight and seven here in three weeks. And that's insane considering our priors on the Bills. We thought Super Bowl contender... They banged up on the Chiefs a couple of weeks ago, and it's like, they're the best team in football. And ever since then, they've lost to the Jags. They lost ugly to the Patriots the other night. They're they're in a tough spot. And we're realizing, oh man, the playoffs aren't a lock for Buffalo. Baltimore. Baltimore's eight and four. But since he's only a game behind them, and be honest, who do you like more right now? I like Cincinnati more. Better weapons. Their defense is plucky. Not as good as Baltimore, but Baltimore's beat up. And Lamar Jackson isn't playing that well. I think of Baltimore very similarly to Tennessee. They're a good team, but the injuries have just reached a point where it's difficult to overcome. The only difference is Baltimore plays in the AFC North, where you have the Steelers that aren't a mess, the Browns that aren't a mess, and uh, Cincy, which is pretty good. And Tennessee plays in a division with the Jags and the Texans. Yeah, they deal with the Colts, but that's two games a year, right? Steelers, Colts, Raiders, all on the outside looking in. Those are solid teams. I won't lose an ounce of sleep if those teams don't make it in. I still hate the seven seed, by the way. You, you could have four or five different seven seeds, then that's a problem. If if your playoff system is set up in a way where one team doesn't clearly distinguish themselves among the rest, then I don't really love it. Then it's just messy, and I know I'm a diehard NBA fan, and the eighth seed might as well just be a like it's a throwaway. But the NBA is different, right? The NFL is different in the way that it's set up. Right when the playoffs start, I want all of those teams capable of winning a championship, at least in the majority of years. And I don't think, I mean, right now, the bottom couple of seeds in the AFC, Buffalo and Cincy, but Pittsburgh can't win. What if they sneak in or Vegas? They're six and six. What if they sneak in or Cleveland, six and six as well? Denver's six and six. You imagine all these teams have the same record. I, I heard a theory the other night, and I don't remember where I heard it from. I was listening to a podcast where someone theorized that record just isn't as important to some of those middle teams because now there's only one first round buy. So if you're out of reach of that first round bye, let's say you're, what team's a good example? Let's say you're Buffalo or Cincy, maybe the, the NFC is probably a better example. If you're in the NFC and you're the Rams at eight and four or the Cowboys are eight and four, seeding isn't really as important to those teams because the number one seed isn't within reach. They're not getting the one. So what's the point? Because that second option, that second buy, isn't available to grab. So what? What the heck? And I think that's why you have a logjam between three and seven, or in the AFC three and twelve. I mean, even Miami's six and seven. They're not out of it. They might as well be out of it, but they're not out of it. Unlike the AFC, the NFC, there's going to be bad teams that make it in. The Washington Football Team isn't the final seed in the playoffs right now. They're the six. They'd come to Lambeau in the first round if the playoffs started today. They're 6-6. Six and six. The San Francisco 49ers are 6-6. Six and six. They're the 7th seed, as we speak right now. And while they beat the Rams as a gift to America, right, they got swept by Seattle. And I get that sometimes good teams get swept. We saw the Buccaneers get swept by the Saints last year. They probably should have lost to them in the playoffs if Drew Brees wasn't 45 years old. And they had some bad luck and, you know, typical Brady playoff game things. But San Fran's not a world beater. Football team's not a world beater. Minnesota isn't even the first team out of the picture. They're behind Philly. Now, Philly has a bye this week. They have an extra win, so that could balance out if the Vikings win this weekend. But the fact that not only is Minnesota not in the playoff picture at 6 and 7, but they're not even at 8. They're at 9. There are some bad teams at the bottom of the NFC playoff picture. Bad. Again, this is why the seven seed is a bad idea. Because you're allowing a team like Minnesota or Washington to say, hey, we did it. We made it in the playoffs. And smart teams will look past that. Smart teams will say, you know what? We made it in, but it's not good enough. And kudos to the Bears. The Bears do a lot of things really, really poorly. But one thing they got right in the last year, they made the playoffs with Mitch Trubisky last year. They got in as that last seed and said, yeah, look, I know we made the playoffs, but this dog isn't going to hunt. We need to continue to get better. Whereas I think some teams, maybe like the Vikings, or maybe the Washington football team will convince themselves, okay, we, we stuck into the playoffs, let's run it back next year. Let's sign Patrick Peterson, or let's bring in Ryan Fitzpatrick, and let's run it back. No, 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 no. The measuring stick for success is not the seventh seed in the playoff picture. And I like Taylor Heineke. I don't know if he's their guy. It'd be really cool if he is. But the issue that comes up with the seventh seed is Washington makes it in, couple of games over 500, and they say, see, Taylor Heineke is good enough to take us to the playoffs. He is our guy, and we're going to build around him. Uh, Not like this. He's going to have to continue to get better. You know, the one team in the NFC that I actually like the most in the spot they're in, I like Philly, which is insane considering where they were two months ago, but Philly is doing what a team at their level should be doing. They have cheap, fine quarterback play. Jalen Hurts, cheap and fine to borderline good. They have Minshew, and we talked about this on Monday. Cheap, borderline, good, or fine. They make no money, and with those quarterbacks, they can create this little solar system to evaluate all the wide receivers, to evaluate the O-line, to evaluate the tight ends, to evaluate their coaching staff, and evaluate their defense. Because let's be real, if you're playing Davis Mills at quarterback, how the heck are you supposed to figure out anything? With science experiments, right? You have your independent and your dependent variables. Well, If everything is a variable, everything, well, then you don't know where to start. What are you basing your experiment on? If you can lock in a quarterback, even if they're not great, and even if not their guy of the future, right? If Hurts is just fine and cheap, well, you can evaluate everything else. Or Minshew, who's playing, you can evaluate everything else. And by the way, right now, Philly has three picks in the top 17 if the draft was today because they own Miami's pick and they own the Colts pick. Philly's in a good spot. I like where they are. I like the Packers seeding-wise, moving away from the draft, moving back into the actual playoff picture. The Packers are currently in the two spot. Arizona's 10-2. and two. The Packers are 9-3, and three, but the Packers own the tiebreaker. Arizona essentially has to win out if they want to hold on to it. L.A., Detroit, Indy, Dallas, Seattle. I don't think they can win five in a row to end of the year. I don't think they're going to go 15-2. and two. The Packers looking ahead. Two-point favorites in Baltimore as of right now, which is where they will be a week from Sunday after the Bears. If they're favored in Baltimore, they'll be favored in all of their remaining games. They have the Browns and the Vikings at home. They'll be favored in those games, and they got to go to Detroit. They'll be favored in that. You play that game on the moon, the Packers are going to be favored, right? I'm not saying the Packers are going to win out, but there's a path. If they can go 14-3 and three and just wait for the Cardinals to lose one game, they're going to be the number one seed, and that's got some pretty good ramifications, especially considering fans are back in stadium. I know Tom Brady blew all of our minds by going on the road and winning all those games. Oh, those games in stadiums that didn't have any fans. That's right. Let's get an update from Mike Clements. We'll talk about the playoff picture. And one player that I've been thinking about a lot the last couple of days as I start to dream about cold weather football and the playoff picture. Spoiler alert, it's not A.J. Dillon. But there's a Packers offensive player that I've had on my mind. And I need to see some things from in the next couple of weeks into the playoffs. Let's talk about that. Coming up next on the Wisco Sports Show.
1: This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. In Green Bay, here's Mike Clemens. The Packers are back at practice after returning from the bye week, getting ready to host the Bears Sunday night. Aaron Rodgers, dealing with a fractured toe, told the McAfee Show he flew out to L.A. last week after being examined by specialist Dr. Robert Anderson in Green Bay. I wanted to get a second opinion on my toe. We got an incredible doctor uh, here in Wisconsin who many people across the country will send you know their, their issues to, you know foot, ankle, toe, whatever. I went out and saw uh, fantastic doctors out there and uh, had some good conversations. Uh, I did get some great information about my foot. There was nothing really uh, revolutionary. The biggest key is rest. You know, the toe is, is improving and uh, We'll see how it feels later in the week. With Jordan Love out with COVID, Kurt Benkert will run the offense in practice, and the Packers signed quarterback Danny Etlin to run the scout team. Etlin was a seventh-round pick out of LSU for the Patriots in 2018. He's also spent time with the Falcons, Seahawks, Vikings, and Broncos. Now, with a win against the Bears, the Packers could clinch a playoff spot with a little help from around the league. The Bears, however, are looking to keep their jobs. Head coach Matt Nagy.
0: Right now, our focus inside that line Locker room right now is beating Green Bay, and you know we're four and eight, and it's not the record that we want. But you see the records of the other teams in the NFC right now, and where things are. And so for us, we're aware of that, but it doesn't matter if if you lose. Like we got to win, and we got to win now. And those conversations are are they're they're real, you know, because you know you're practicing hard, you're playing hard every day because it's in your DNA. You know, what I mean, when you have that. It doesn't really matter what's going on. You fight best Packers coverage. Oh, Matt Nagy, Matt Nagy, Matt Nagy, Matt. God bless This is the Wisco Sports Show. That was Mike Clemens. Appreciate his update. He'll be with us tomorrow, 5:30. Also, a couple of guests. I'm getting the rest of the week organized. Seth Partnow worked in the Bucks basketball operations department. Really smart guy numbers guy just put out a book called the Midrange theory and i already I, I got it i'm in the process of reading it it's really good and i message him today because anytime somebody puts out a book they're a lot more willing to go on like i remember adam McAlvey doesn't really like doing radio <laughs> but when he put out a book i'm like hey adam you want to come on you promote your book they would be like all right i guess sure seth was like yeah absolutely i'll come on so we're gonna speak with him friday at 5 30 mike clemens tomorrow at 5:30. if i can spin it I'm hoping to get Justin Garcia to talk Bucks before the end of this week as well. Maybe do some Bucks heat they play tonight and talk about what's going to go on with Boogie Cousins and what's going on with Brooke Lopez and the plan moving forward. Of course, it's not even Christmas yet, so all of this in the grand scheme of things is peanuts, especially for the Bucks. I mean, we just, we don't really care about anything if it's not June. You know, we're just used to winning titles and all. We're talking Packers right now, and we're going to talk more football after the break. A lot of football tonight. You can join in if you'd like. 608-796-2558. It's the phone number. You can tweet me at Wisco Grand as well. One, not Brewers player. I don't know where that came from. Uh, One Packers player that I've been thinking about a lot. Uh, I'm thinking about Aaron Jones. Because today I, I started to think about all the championship teams in recent memory. I started to think about all the Super Bowl teams that I could remember the last 10 years or whatever. And then I was trying to think of the running backs on those teams. The lead back or the running back by committee is a little bit more common with teams that play into December and January. Not typically a star running back. It hasn't been Kamara or Cook or Zeke, right? If you think about the Packers in 2010, it was James Starks. I was rewatching Vikings Eagles from 2017, the NFC title game. Jay Ajayi, Corey Clement, Jarek McKinnon, Latavius Murray. Right, these that Legarrett Blunt was on the Eagles at this time as well. These were the backs that were in that game. I'm about to make a point about Aaron Jones. And it might sound critical. I don't mean it as criticism. Nope. I just I'm making a point. It's not criticism. Aaron Jones, over the course of the last couple of years, has had some unreal games in Dallas in week five. And week two against Detroit in Lambeau in September when it's warm. He's been great. It's high time. Aaron Jones to have a signature game in December or in January. It's time for him to go on a tear, him to go on a heater, right? James Starks, nobody remembers James Starks having this long successful career. We remember one crazy run he went on in 2010. He powered the Packers to a Super Bowl. That's all. Nobody really remembers Jay Ajayi other than when he was the hot waiver wire pickup when he was at the Dolphins and then the Eagles later nabbed him. Big part of their championship run. And Corey Clement, who I think had a catch in the Super Bowl, didn't he? Was that in the Super Bowl or one of the other playoff games? Caught a crazy pass in the back of the end zone. Aaron Jones is about due for a string of really good games. Haven't really had it from him yet this year. Into December, into January, Packers need it. And I know we all dream of A.J. Dillon running roughshod over the snow and the cold in January, and that's that's great. That's what our Lord intended. That's, that's good football, as we talked about on Monday when getting ready for Bills, Patriots, in the wind and snow. But we also talked about on Monday, you can't just power your offense with a big, strong ox of a running back. It's great to have one. We talked about the Broncos, the Javante Williams. He was great. 178 scrimmage yards, 3.71 yards after contact. He was great. The Broncos scored nine points, right? One tough running, cold weather running back does not a championship offense make. A.J. Dillon is a constant. I think the success of the Packers in the postseason is going to be decided by everything else around him. And Aaron Jones is a big part of that. And last year in the playoffs, Aaron Jones fumbled on his own five in the NFC Championship game. He got a little banged up, and that was it. That was the extent of his role. That needs to be different this year. Not just in January, but really starting this week. Because he hasn't had as big of a workload this year. He hasn't really popped. It's about time for him to pop and have a run and help power the Packers like James Starks once did or Eddie Lacy in 2014. Let's take a break, get an update from Zach Heilbrin. More football talk coming up next.